You're listening to Broadcast Behind the Screens, the podcast brought to you by Broadcast and Broadcast Intelligence. This week, for a special bonus episode, we're handing over the reins to our colleague John Elms, who interviewed the creative team behind the highly anticipated series, The English. Hi there, and welcome back to the podcast. We are not quite back for a second series yet, but we've got a special episode here for you in the meantime. In a moment, I'll be handing over to our colleague, John Elms, who had the chance to speak to the creative team behind BBC and Amazon drama, The English, which premiered at MIPCOM last month and debuts tonight. I'll warn you that, like the busy journalist that John is, he was recording this in a bustling MIPCOM market So there is a little bit of background noise, but it doesn't take away from the conversation. The chat spans from why Hugo Blick and his team went to the BBC, filming techniques, creating convincing drama and more in what is a really fascinating conversation. So without further ado, here's John. Hello, behind the screens listeners. This is John Elms, international editor, bringing you a special podcast with the creative team behind BBC and Amazon's epic new western, The English, which makes its bow this evening, the 10th of November. The sweeping series, which stars Emily Blunt and Chasky Spencer, made its international premiere in MIPCOM last month, and I sat down with creatives Hugo Blick, Greg Brenman and Colin Ratton in Cannes to discuss the epic drama. I start off by asking... Hugo about the genesis of the show and essentially what gave him the confidence to bring such an expansive international series to the BBC in a time when broadcasters and streamers are going hyperlocal. Enjoy. I'm sure that when people say there's a direction of travel in any uh, choice of medium, there's always the opposite direction, which is that much more unusual to take. So maybe if that was something that was being discussed, I organically aren't, isn't, I'm not hearing that. So I just get on with the next project that I think, oh, I really need to tell this story. And the English was a story I've spent most of my adult life considering I wanted to make. Because it started off as an, uh, as an inspiration when I was a young man. I was out in Montana. And in Montana, you could just, in the early 80s, just work out the last vestiges of the West, of the Wild West. And both the benefits and the disbenefits, the costs and benefits. So I always had it as a story in mind. I just wasn't quite sure of the, of the uh, uh, ignition point for the story. And then I, I waited, you know many couple of decades before I found that ignition point in the tail and also had the logistical technical ability to pull off such a big scale project so you develop it organically and I developed the script with Greg the first pilot sort of on our own really and then felt that the heartbeat of the project was strong so then we went to the BBC and said well here it is long-term relationship with the BBC obviously Piers Wenger, and Piers you know, loved the story, loved the, where it was going to go and the destination, but also recognized the ambition and said, you know, with the nicest and gentlest way, well, you know, 
you're going to have to find the talent to match, I mean, the performance talent to match uh, your ambition. So, uh, and I said, well, what if I can get you Mary Poppins? Uh, given the nature of the story being the English, couldn't think of anyone more English than that. And, uh, and I saw a little twinkle in his eye as he said, well, if you do that, here you go. Uh, and so we went off and sent the script directly to Emily. And we were just talking to Emily's agent uh, last night. And he remembered, he, he sent it at a particular time. And he remembered exactly, it was 18 hours later that she rang him back and said, oh, I'll do this. And it spoke to, not only does it speak to Emily and her ability to sort of see something that she'd been waiting for, but also it spoke to Emily's performance of that kind of character of Cornelia. So it was then I developed the scripts consequently with Emily so that I could bespoke it like a suit for her. So really I can't tell where the character begins and where Emily is because I wrote the story around her and her development. Yeah, fantastic. The show is so epic in scale and scope, and I mean, like just watching the first episode, just the fields that they go through, the sweeping landscape. You know, the BBC don't go to those kind of shows sometimes because it's not necessarily in their public service remit. What made you want to really think that this could be a great show for the BBC? Well, I think if Charlotte Moore was sitting here, which she almost is because we saw her on Friday, and uh, she would say, but alongside all that hyper-local, or alongside everything else that we come to know and love the BBC for, it's really important to have some sparkly jewels in the crowd. And this is, for her, I think, first and foremost, or all in parallel, continuing a relationship with a great British talent, Hugo Blick. The show is called The English. Our central character is an English woman who travels to America on a quest for revenge. And on a broader scale, the English represents a more sort of colonial imperial presence in the formation of modern America. So it's very much part of the British history. And if I was Charlotte, and I think this is probably in her thinking, is that she needs to offer range and she needs to offer all sorts of delights for her viewers and for her, I would imagine she considers this massive value and return on investment because of the fact that we've got all three, we've got Amazon, we've got tax credits in Spain. For her investment, what she benefits from, you know, she is a, a really wonderful show, which as you say, is epic in every sense. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like it's a, it's a character, it's a character examination, not just a story about, you know, the English and the colonialism. Do you think that other shows have, some shows don't pay enough attention to character and you don't get... Yeah, I mean, we can't speak to other shows. We, I, I can't speak to other shows. I can only speak to the ones I construct. And the ones I construct, hopefully, are constructed around an urgent need, both by the creatives, but the characters that we write about. So I, you know, I create a project that I absolutely feel needs to be made. Not that I kind of intellectually feel needs to be made. I absolutely feel, oh, I have to tell this story. And when you have that urgency, folk come around and say, yeah, okay, I see your vision because it's an urgent vision. But the only reason you have an urgent vision is because you're expressing the story through characters who have urgent needs. You know? um, so maybe it doesn't always work if people are doing it for different reasons. But for the reasons of watching the English, it's a story that has an urgent character purpose. No one's safe. 
in this world. And given that it's a Western, that's unsurprising, <laughs> you know? So you realize that Cornelia, played by Emily, is in the middle of a very vulnerable space. Letting the creative voice like, direct itself and yeah. giving that freedom space often lends itself to a better drama. Do you feel that scares me? I do, I, I, but again, I, I go back to it. It's, it's that creative voice has to be really urgent and, and, and not double-guessing, you know? A story that is trying to double guess its destination in terms of marketplace is a failed kind of narrative intent because it won't it won't have that 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 authenticity of, of intent. So without it, I mean, it happens all the time. It's happened cinematically. It ha it's happened throughout the history of film media. You know, I'm not sure how much has changed in in that way. But it's great when you come across any project that has an authenticity of intent. And then you kind of go, oh, that's good. I'll have a look at that. But it's always going to be amongst the sea of things that don't. That's just the way it is. When you make it, putting the show together, were there any kind of touch points that you, you drew from the past? Because when I, when I saw the premise and I saw the, the first shot, I immediately was drawn back to the adaptation of Last of the Deacons, which is one of my favorite. Sure. It's really, uh, it is true, and it's a great film, and it is a wonderful film, and it's, it's completely justified uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is playing it, which is wonderful, but I was, I think one of the touchstones that I was pulled into is I, I did really want an Native American playing a Native American to be the lead, sort of above the title name, as literally Chaskid Spencer is in this project, as something of a breakthrough for the genre, for the Western genre because so often in its history, venerable history though it is, the native experience has been not only ignored, but when it isn't, it's represented often by blue-eyed Germans, in the case of the Searchers, Chief Star, uh, and Elvis Presley, or Bernard. You know, so it was very important to me to shift the focus onto a, 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 a native history of, within the genre. And then the genre itself was involved with really took that mid 20th century look to heart. We love that feel, Technicolor, we use specific lenses to, to recapture that feel in order to smuggle in a narrative that's more modern. So we use classic kind of technical devices to utilize a story that feels modern and now. And I think that tension between the two is what makes it rather exciting. So, Ali, there are quite a number of Westerns on TV. Yeah. What is it that, about Westerns that can be a captivating prism for a drama to explore those characters? Because sometimes I think just the, the Wild West, I can't relate in any way to the Wild West. I think, I think, people, uh, I think people do. Because I, I, I think that when, when governments don't seem to know what they're doing, uh, and, uh, and it's been happening for a few years now, People get very restless because they don't know where, where to look for restoration, where, they, where to look for feelings of justice. But they turn to a genre like the Western because that's really what it's all about. It's when things let you down, when the system lets you down, you, the individual, have to take control of your own destination. So in that kind of spinning time, politics or, or social upheaval, the Western often speaks to the individual and taking kind of a feeling of direct action. And that's what I suppose this period has found that fascinating. In, in terms of what Drama Republic has done in the past, how much of a departure did this show feel for, for you in terms of, in terms of your previous works? Did it feel completely 
removed because of its epic scale and well, not really. I mean, John Republic has got sort of lots of different exec producers. So Rowan Ben and Jude Lichnitsky will do often what you know excites them. But the through line on this is Hugo, and it's our third show with Hugo. And so you you expect the unexpected. And if it goes from a huge epic piece about Israel-Palestine to post-genocidal Rwanda to a Western, you kind of go, yep. That makes total sense. Hugo's in the room. We're doing something in space next, of course. Makes perfect sense. I would be surprised if I wasn't surprised. <laughs> and I would be a little bit disappointed if I didn't feel the challenge was epic in every sense. One of the things that I, I often look for in a drama is a, a drama, if it sets me on edge, gives me anxiety. I often feel like it's, it's, it's broken through because to uh, evoke an emotional reaction is, is tough in certain drums, it puts the quality. Is that what you try and achieve? Definitely true of this one, given what you said earlier about contributing characters. And, and the whole world is based on that kind of neurotic. Even its narrative uh, flexibility, you know, it takes different journeys, different tangents at times. So you're wrong-footed or, or just destabilized in the idea of where your security is within the telling of the story. And that really fits the genre of the Western. All drama, all successful drama has an emotional connection with its audience. And that could be achieved in a variety of ways. And anxiety could be one of them and happiness could be another and humor and entertainment. But I think it's about that connection. And I think also what's particularly brilliant about this kind of show is it's so immersive and it takes you out of present-day global world and immerses you into another world which has resonances with today but also allows you to kind of escape so this is sort of intelligent escapism that's absolutely right and to go back to why the BBC involved themselves I think it's one of the first things that Charlotte said when she got a sense of the scale of it she says this is just fantastic escapism and for it to go out in the November months, you know, with its dark, you just got this fantastic horizontal, this ochre light, blue skies, you know, it's somewhere to escape to. And these pretty difficult times, and we've been so positive by, or, or enclosed by COVID, here is something that's wide open and allows you to breathe. And, and that's one of its primary interests, I think, to the BBC, and hopefully to other people too, is just gives you space to breathe. I think, I think within within I mean the first episode, there are moments where Hugo just slows down and and, and pays particular attention to to real the minutiae of a scene, the, the the key moments of of tension and ratchets up that tension. The, the score from Federico Cusid is a, is another fantastic element that that supports the the construction of the scenes that that, that Hugo's edited and. People, people really were drawn into that and are on, are on the edge of their seat. Um, I think Chaske, people will know Emily, obviously, but, but then Chaske, who has a, a charisma and has a stillness, and you're not quite sure what he's going to do in any one scene or how he's going to react in any one scene. And for him as, as the, the joint lead in this, I think is, is, is unexpected and gives gives the audience something to really 
hook into because they just don't know what's coming around the corner. They don't know him. Yeah. This is new. Yeah. And he does it with full Newman Eastwood charisma, in my opinion. You know, it's up to others to recognise it for themselves. But I think it's, it's always a tricky role to be that heroic centre point or story like that with those kind of iconic, laconic lines. And I think he more than makes it his own. And for an audience, the excitement is to discover a film star performing in that kind of elevated, epic space, and you can really root for it. Going to the, uh, the show itself, when you watched it back, what, what did it evoke in emotions or reactions that it evoke in you? Was it probably something that you've made and been working on? But well, it's pretty big. <laughs> 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 I, I noticed that. You notice the scale, and then I hope, and I was hooked in, you notice the intimacy and ease of the relationship between the two leads. And it reminded me that when you're filming at such a kind of big scale, that actually some of those intimate scenes between Emily and Chaske, we would be in and out of them in three takes because they were so easy with each other their interrelationship as performances. And I feel, I hope, that, that that intimacy really comes across on the screen. So it's got this juxtaposition between big scale, big shootouts and set pieces that the genre demands, and then this almost unusual romantic love interest, intimacy, and ease of relationship between our two central characters. And uh, yeah, I saw that uh, by seeing it within a public space, those two big elements really struck me. Looking at it on a big screen and, and seeing it time and time again, it's obviously one is never seeing it for the first time. That's one of the curses of making shows is you never see your show for the first time. But there's so many layers of, in the performance and so many layers within the script. I'm always rewarded actually by a subtlety, by a moment, by a pacing by a tick and a twitch and intelligence from the performer or a layer of dialogue or something subtextual within a scene that constantly sort of enforces what the whole show is about. So it's, um, I mean, maybe not answer your question, but I enjoy actually watching it time and time again because I always get something new from it. Yeah. The creative decisions that Hugo took at the beginning with the choice of the aspect ratio, 2.39 to 1, the choice of lens, uh, the Primo anamorphic lens, the, uh, the Sony Venice, the live grain, which gives again a, just getting away from the, the, the HD feel uh, and, and taking it more back to the, the feel of the Western. All of those small elements so that when you're seeing a shot that Hugo has framed with the sky taking up two thirds of the frame, shooting from 12 o'clock every day to 9 o'clock in the evening so that the sun was always coming down in the cast. Uh, exactly, because that was the, the dust is kicking that up. That was the technical aspect of the 1950s. You would, you would backlight and then up, backlight with the sun and then arc light at the front. So you get this very interesting, almost lustrous technicolor feel. And um, so if you look at a Jimmy, Anthony Mann movies or George Stephen pictures, they absolutely did this as a technique. And you don't move the camera very much because that's the whole thing. So you have this very still frame. You have to choose very carefully where that frame is going to be because there's a lot of technical aspects going into how that frame is being lit. And it gives you this kind of elegance and it, a kind of pause to the story, a determination to the story that feels really classic. 
I think that hopefully why the possibility of this Western being quite engaging and working is because a lot of attention has been paid to the history of the genre. And although the story it tells is quite modern and quite kind of new and, and flexible, the past that it alludes to has been well recognized. Uh, and that's what it's hopefully very exciting for the viewer to engage with. I think I've asked everything I wanted to ask. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to this special episode of Broadcast Behind the Screens. We'll be back soon for a second series, so stay tuned.